when you join a company, you have a lot of theoretical knowledge, but then reality hit. And you might know what is JavaScript or what is MongoDB, but then you need to open a PR and you don't know how to even create a PR. So this is one of the problems that me and my two co-founders saw, that there is a big gap between the theoretical knowledge and the actual work, the programmatic work that they need to do. And that's why we created Wilco. This quest that you practice and learn throughout doing instead of putting production on fire or, or fixing bugs in the middle of the night. I'm Shem Agnesi, and I'm the co-founder and CTO of Wilco. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Like six months moonlighting. There's nothing at the back end. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what it to do took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of her team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today, how Shim Magnesi created a platform to make you a better engineer, one dev challenge at a time. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Jim Magnesi is from Tel Aviv and started his software engineering career when he was in high school. It wasn't really professional, just hacking some stuff together, which is the way he learned the typical starting tools like HTML, JavaScript, and the like. Post-college, he served in the Israeli military and intelligence and then moved into startups, then bigger companies like Facebook, and then into his current venture. Outside of tech, he's a family man with two kids and he loves to play and watch football or soccer for us stateside. Throughout their time in the industry, Shem and his co-founders saw a big gap between theoretical knowledge and what is actually done on the job in a company. They wanted to set out and build something to bridge that gap. An immersive experience that not only prepares engineers, but takes them on a quest. This is the creation story of Wilco. So our goal in Wilco is to empower every developer, regardless of their background or skill level, to unlock their full potential. We're specifically doing it by giving quest or problem that people need to solve, but not just solving it, but more in a very immersive experience. So the whole story is like, just like a quest, we are building a world. We are joining a fantasy company, and this fantasy company have Slack-like to chat with other colleagues. They have code base. 
is called BaseF. Obviously, some bugs. They have production systems. They have communication layers. So you get into this imaginary world where we're creating this kind of sandbox for you, and then you, you solving things. You 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 pushing things to production. You implementing some stuff, and it's all in this very specific sandbox that we created for you. You're not afraid to throw in everything, right? And and the logic behind this is because nowadays, like most of the people, yes, they learn in the university or boot camps or watching some videos of how to build a website. But in the end of the day, when you join a company, you join a team, you have a lot of theoretical knowledge, but then reality hits. And you might know what is JavaScript or what is MongoDB, but then you need to open a PR and you don't know how to even create a PR or what is Git or how JavaScript looks like in real world or what it's like to work with big code base. So this is one of the problems that me and my two co-founders saw that there is a big gap between the theoretical knowledge and the stuff that people watch or see or read and, and the actual work, the, the pragmatic work that they need to do. And we want to somehow bridge this gap. And that's why we created Wilco, this kind of quest that you practice and try and learn throughout doing instead of putting production on fire or, or fixing bugs in the middle of the night. So tell me about the MVP. So the first version of Wilco that you built, how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? So our MVP was very, very minimal, minimal viable product. Uh, it took us a couple of weeks to build it, I would say a month or two. And at the end of the day, we want to, to test the assumption of teams and individuals, engineers want to learn in a more engaging and fun, interactive way. So what we did is created code base with very minimal web app. There is a UI and there is backend and there is database and the whole product is very, very minimal. Some kind of e-commerce website with few pages. And the product was me going live with, with the first team that we, we tested the product on. We gave them permission to this code base. Each one gets its own fork of the code base. And I, I go out I joined the session, send them the link to start, and also send them link to, to our Slack workspace. And each one of them talked with me. I played the on-call engineer and tell them, hurry up, there is a bug and you have to fix it. And they need to open a PR. And I go went over the PR and, and make sure it actually fixed the problem. And then they needed to, to deploy those changes throughout the CICD we created and throughout this whole experience I mimicked the engineer manager the on call the, the whole colleagues throughout the chat and each one of them felt like they they playing a game with their own and they are able to, to test some stuff and actually get some kind of meaningful review and in the end of those this session we create some kind of summary of how to watch the bug, how to make sure it's fixed, how to add unit tests, what are the options that they have. They, they add all kinds of comparison between the, the way they, they fix those problems. And in the whole session, they had very fun, interactive session that instead of, I don't know, watching video, everyone on themselves, not really understand if they actually understand it or not, 
or reading blog posts or something like this, they had more hands-on experience and, and training. This is what we created in the first step. And as I mentioned, there, there is very minimal things that we built there. Beside the, the code base, we also had some kind of very, very basic UI that actually my co-founder that is a product manager built. That's about it. We, we didn't want to build any heavy stuff before we actually feel very strong that this is the right way and there is an actual need for this kind of solution. You're alluding to some of the decisions and trade-offs you had to make in describing your MVP, but I want to dive into that a little bit. Tell me about those decisions you had to make and, and you know, about feature limitation, any manual steps that you're talking about, or technical debt, and how you coped with those decisions. We didn't have any clear roadmap for how the product will look like. We really prefer to, to choose some kind of technologies that will able to let us move fast and change things very fast. So one of the first technologies decision that we made is to use MongoDB or any schemaless database. We really didn't know how the schema would look like. We didn't know what kind of data we want to save on the user, how the quest will be modeled, what kind of text we want to save in the DB. So that's why we chose schemaless database like MongoDB and we really love it. Other than this, we also separate the front end and the back end. We knew from right from the start that we want to create some kind of API for other developers to also interact, not only via the UI. So we really want to have an API layer that everyone will be able to use, but also a front end for serving the application. So this is one separation that we had. But outside of this, we really want to keep it very, very simple. So no complex microservice or front-end and back-end. We wanted to choose very simple or straightforward technologies like React and Node. And on the product, we really emphasize the beginner mindset. Like we don't really know everything. We want to test the water before we actually building a big UI or, or big features that are very complex. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. 
The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Triple, super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. So you've got your MVP, it's working. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? And I think what I'm curious about there is how you built your roadmap, how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build for Wilco. So uh, we cheated a little. We want always to, to use some kind of shortcuts um, to, to actually see if there is something there. So for example, one of the first decisions that we want to to see if it's viable or not, is whether those quests should also be in the cloud. So we talked about quests that you get a bug and you need to understand where exactly is the bug and how to communicate to other people what exactly happened there and how to fix it. It's very, very local. But what about your production system? So let's, for example, I I want to mimic a performance issue. So I want to deploy your application to the cloud and create some kind of heavy traffic. For this, I need to create for you a production environment. As you can imagine, this whole concept is very, very complex. You need to take the user application, deploy it to the cloud, create some kind of sandbox in AWS. This is very heavy and complex. So instead of building this whole infrastructure for, I don't know, a few months, I guess, we start a very, very lean approach. We tell the user, hey, here's a new Roku app just for you that we created from the beginning. And here is your production. For the one that not knows, so Roku is some kind of a platform as a service. It was much more popular a couple of years ago. Back then, it was make sense to give them an instance, but we knew this kind of solution won't scale. But still, we want to just understand if there is any audience, if there is any traction to this kind of quest before we actually investing and building it. So we doing a lot of these kind of shortcuts and to test the water, to, to create some kind of MVP, to add maybe a button to the UI that doesn't do anything, but we want to, to see if people even click on it and stuff like this. And if we see any traction there, then we're creating another layer of the roadmap. Usually it's a couple of weeks to expand this MVP, but in our mindset, because we, we always keeping the beginner's mind, all the all the product is still MVP, but we slowly expand it. I like that mindset. Okay, let's let's switch to team then. So how did you go about building your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? We, we started building really in public. Between me and my co-founder, we had a couple of thousands of followers in, on, on Twitter. So even before we had anything in hand or anything to share, we just tweeted about it, what we are doing right now, what is our thought, what we are aiming to build, what are their pro- our problems. This lasts for a couple of months, even more like six months or even a year. 
and we shared a lot. Shared our lessons, shared our failures, shared our thoughts, uh, and we started to, to getting some crowd. Obviously, because we aim for, for engineers and developers, slowly when we got some money and some funds, and, and we, we say that we were starting to, to build a team, we, we already had an audience, and we already had some, kind, some people that want to share and was very interesting, and even know exactly how the product look like, how the technology look like. So it helped, it helped a lot. Indeed, most of our employees and most of our team, we got them throughout a Twitter as an inbound. When we hired them, when we work with them, we talked a lot about the mission and what we want to do. Because we know that in the end of the day, we have a mission in mind and the product might change a lot throughout the time. But the mission should stay there, that we want to have a better way to learn, that we want to create some interactive lessons and hands-on experience to learn new stuff. And this is what we talked a lot about in the interviews, and we asked people why, why do they want to join Wilco, and it was very important for us that, that they will be connected to the mission, because we are a startup and we want to, to move relatively fast. We want to have a lot of journalists people that do want to get out of their comfort zone. So for example, our engineers can do a UI and then in the week later, they're going to do a DevOps work and then drill down and, and jump to database performance issue, maybe even go to a company and build with them some kind of integration. We want them to, to have some kind of, of general sense of what needs to be built and they will just build it, whether it's code, marketing, product, or just some kind of design tweaks. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vassell edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too, in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for CodeStory listeners. Head over to terso.tech CodeStory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech CodeStory. Terso. Welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud costs, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. Let's talk about scalability. And I think from your initial description of the MVP, my, my gut knows where you're going to go, but I'm going to ask it openly. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one or with scale in mind, or have you been fighting this as you grow? 
from my previous centuries, you, you know that it won't scale in, in, in day one, it wasn't scale. Uh, but it was very important for us that we won't get into those scale problem and won't have any plan B or will be lost. We always choose specific solution and we ask during the design review, during the discussion, what will happen when scale hit us? And we did need to have some kind of plan B. We didn't implement it, right? We didn't like go and, and put some kind of infrastructure that is pre-optimized for, for the current status. But we want to, to make sure that we don't want gonna hit a wall. And we know that we will get there. So for example, a few weeks after our public launch, I don't know, two weeks after, for some reason, some influencer that we talked about and talked with him before, just tweeted about us. And he had like hundreds of thousands of, of followers. So suddenly we had few thousand new users in a few minutes. And because we work heavily with, with GitHub, we immediately hit their, their rate limit. So again, we hit the scale issue, but we already had some kind of solution in mind. And we opened the drawer, got out the plan B plans, and we implemented it in very small period. And after a few I don't know, three to four hours, we already back up and we're, we're all okay. So yes, I don't believe that you need to, to build your startup to, to serve millions of, of requests. In most cases, you won't going to hit us hit them, uh, in near future, but you, when you're going to hit them, you do need to have some kind of plan, of mit- uh, mitigation plan. Okay, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built... What are you most proud of? So the first one, I know that everyone said the same thing, but I'm really proud of the team. The people that we got, the mission-driven that they are, and the stuff that they build. They are very, very talented, and this is like the thing that I, I and we as co-founder are most proud of. Outside of this, I would say that the second thing is that we created one of the best technology solutions that I was involved in. We actually were able to build an engine that is able to get quests from other people because our engine is open and everyone can create quests on their own. And we are able to play it with all the integration they had, with all the use cases. And it's very, very cool to see what kind of things people build and how our engine is able to serve them. Let's flip the script a little bit. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded. I must say that I have a lot of experience as an IC. I was senior engineer and staff engineer throughout my career, but I have very little experience in managing and scaling team. So I think one of of my mistake or our, our mistake as a leadership was that we grew too fast. We had a lot of work to do and we had a roadmap planned and we are, we had like tons of requests from our partners and our users. And we really need a lot of firepower to build those kind of stuff. And then I slowly saw how for a guerrilla team that builds stuff very, very fast, we started to have a lot of processes and meetings, communication barriers and unsynced between department. And, and I saw how it hit hardly in the company. Indeed, we had to scale down to, to back to our origins, to back to our roots, and to scale to, to a point where we go back into a quick cycles and, and a better feedback loop within the company. 
this will be fun, Jim. So what does the future look like for the product and for your team? I feel like more and more people and, and companies and team will understand that Wilco is the right way to learn new technical things. As I mentioned right now, there is a big gap between theoretical stuff and the, and the things that you're doing on your day-to-day. And I, I really think that Wilco can bridge this gap. I love tutorials and I love the, the internet, how you are able to learn new stuff easily without paying anyone any cent. But in the end of the day, you're getting to a job and, and you need, as a manager, as an individual, to have more structured way to, to learn and upskill and grow. And we really believe that Wilco is the right way to learn. Let's switch to you, Shim. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. I'm personally a big fan of Olingo, founder and, and the whole company DNA. Even though there, there's just, I don't know, a translation application on paper, but actually they are amazing in building an engine to bring back people and to create, actually create a habit for users. This is what we are aiming in, in Wilco, to help other users create a habit of learning and growing. We talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? It doesn't have to be a mistake. It could have been something that worked, but maybe you tweak it a little bit. Consider the, the current situation. I would love if we thought about monetization and sales early on. Because we started with a BTC product that is really fun, engaging, and actually this is what we pay attention most of the time, that the users are happy, the engagement is high, they, they love to do quests, and the quests are fun, etc. But we really also needed to think about the companies and the engineer managers. This is what we did lately, how it helped the manager, how it helped the company, how it helped the, the whole R&D team to help the whole company grow together and how it brings value and money value to, to the CTO and the VPRD. Shem, last question. So you're getting on a plane and sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person, having gone down this road a bit? Don't pick a solution, pick a problem. And you better be highly motivated about this problem. I think a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs really focus on the solution they have in mind, the, the next big app. But at the end of the day, the solution is going to change a lot. And it will be very, very different. But the problem is going to be your whole life for the next five to six years. So you really want to be very passionate about the problem and the area you solve and less about the very specific solution you have in mind. That's great advice. Well, Shim, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Wilco. Thank you for having me. It was very fun. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.